Looking to stand out from the pack at your first job? When you earn a master's in management from Georgetown, you'll gain the skills employers value most, elevating your career prospects for years to come. Get started at choosegeorgetown.com slash MIM. Welcome to the Smart Driving Cars podcast. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi, Alan. Hi, Fred. Well, plenty of news to talk about here at the beginning of April. First of all, Waymo's recent announcement that they'll be purchasing 20,000 electric self-driving vehicles from Jaguar for a new ride-hailing service. This is a pretty big deal. It's a really big deal because uh, this really means that uh, that Waymo is serious about uh, deploying their technology in a number of vehicles and uh, going out there and providing uh, ride-hailing services uh, to more than just uh, Chandler, Arizona. Um, with 20,000 vehicles added to the several thousand that they've um, uh, already agreed to purchase from Chrysler, uh, Fiat Chrysler, uh, then means that uh, they're going to have a substantive fleet uh, to offer mobility out there in um, the areas and, and cities that they choose. And as they point out, uh, this they should be able with this fleet to uh, serve uh, something like uh, a million rides a day, and um, and I think that that is uh, that's a reasonable number. Whether that's a little high or a little low um, is um, is not uh, uh, not that important. But what it really means is that. Uh, every day they will be touching uh, a, a substantial number of people uh, with this new form of mobility and uh, all of the things that have been going on up to this point in time in which uh, really there have been very, very few um, uh, vehicle miles traveled driverlessly. Uh, I've stated that, you know, the Kornhauser um, uh, a scale is at a value of one. Well, the Kornheiser scale, which is the log of the vehicle miles traveled, uh, is going to go up very, very quickly. And, um, this uh, will be able to tell whether or not this is a, a viable mobility business or not. And so it's really important. And, uh, hopefully, um, in their management of, of the, this number of vehicles, uh, they will put the service out there not to just take individuals, uh, from A to B, uh, but will really put it in a ride sharing context in which, uh, they have, uh, at least for many of the trips, if not a, a majority of the trips, uh, they have more than one person in the vehicle. And, uh, and therefore really provide, um, uh, affordable, high quality mobility, uh, to everyone in the, uh, in the areas where they provide service, um, will really uh, test out as to whether or not this concept of mobility really has legs. And, uh, since, uh, they'll be doing this, uh, in the 2020 timeframe, um, you know, two years from now, 
um, and two and three years from now, this is coming and it's coming uh, very, very soon. And that ramp up to the a million rides a day, um, we'll be seeing it and uh, we'll be uh, following it. We'll be able to tell whether or not this is going to be something great or something that we have to maybe um, uh, put a little caution to. But at least uh, we are um, emerging into the uh, the deployment uh, scenario and this is very, very exciting. You know, Waymo is saying it will begin testing the Jaguar I-PACE vehicles later this year uh, with an eye towards getting the, the fleet operating in, in 2020. So this uh, you're seeing this is uh, because of the numbers involved and, and maybe the, the snazzy vehicles, a bigger deal than the, than, than the thousands of Pacifica minivans coming online. Well, it's, it's because it's taking uh, that and taking it to the many thousands and uh, and as uh, as our studies here at Princeton are indicating, uh, you know, if we're to provide uh, this kind of mobility to essentially everybody every day uh, in uh, in the United States, uh, that would require something like 35 million of these vehicles out there in operation. Uh, so this is uh, this is basically going from the onesie twosies uh, to the hundreds. Uh, which they are uh, sort of uh, at now to the thousands uh, that they'll be with uh, later this year and next year uh, with Chrysler to the tens of thousands uh, with this announcement. Um, and um, and so this is really moving along the deployment curve such that uh, if everything goes as um, some of us think um, it may very well go, uh, we'll get to the millions and uh, and tens of millions and prov- the provision of, of basically uh, high quality mobility uh, to everyone in, in the United States. And uh, we, we know that uh, this is the month when uh, California's new regulations uh, go into effect. Uh, we've our friends there who've been on the show, uh, Bernard Soriano, uh, have talked about that. And that's, yeah. I, I assume we're going to be seeing some of the testing there. Well, yeah. I mean, today's the day in which uh, they, uh, the uh, regulations uh, come into effect. And so uh, uh, maybe, um, you know, later this morning uh, we'll, or tomorrow we'll, we'll see uh, see some announcements. Uh, nothing has come out yet. That, and uh, and maybe, uh, you know, given what happened uh, with Uber, maybe they'll delay it uh, a little bit. But uh, I guess one could can expect them pro- the begin to begin providing service in Mountain View or or whatever other communities in, in California uh, with the, the vehicles that they have. And so it's uh, it's really an exciting time for this. And and so. Um, um, one of the things that one should also point out with respect to the Jaguar announcement, it is, uh, as um, we've all been suspecting, uh, that their choice of a of a propulsion system for these vehicles is an all-electric vehicle. And um, maybe it's a little surprising uh, that uh, that they, they chose a Jaguar as opposed to, uh, let's say, um, a Tesla, 
Uh, but um, given the Tesla situation these days, uh, uh, maybe um, maybe they they really uh, wanted to have a a traditional OEM who uh, who's been producing vehicles for I guess uh, you know hundred years or so uh, to be out there as their um, as their OEM. Uh, um, manufacturing these vehicles that uh, that they'll put into service, um, they didn't um, in, in indicate any of that, but uh, and that's certainly um, something that uh, that I'm hypothesizing about. Uh, but um, this seems like um, the that the uh, Jaguar choice, a, a, a quality brand, um, is a is a very strong choice uh, by uh, uh, by Waymo. Well, you alluded to it, uh, Alan, and we should uh, touch on it. Uh, another tragic accident under investigation, a Tesla Model X, which was on autopilot, we're told, on a California highway. The driver was killed. What do we know so far? I guess not not a whole lot. Well, we don't know a whole lot, except that it uh, basically uh, crashed into the end of a uh, New Jersey barrier um, we, we should those, explain to people that this was not in New Jersey. That's that's what the, uh, the barriers are yeah, called, right? Not in New Jersey. The New Jersey barrier is, is sort of the the name of the concrete median uh, that is um, that is uh, in the, installed in on most roadways to separate the, uh, the opposing lanes of traffic. And uh, that there's a long history with that because. At New Jersey Department of Transportation, for many years, they did research on exactly how the design should be so that it it properly uh, um, diverts vehicles from and doesn't don't doesn't let them hop over the median and so on. And a lot of people call these things uh, New Jersey barriers, but no, it's not in New Jersey. It was in California. It struck the the end of uh, not not along the side, but the actual butt end of these of one of these and and most unfortunately uh, uh it struck a, one in which uh, normally there's an attenuation system that's put at the end in case uh, a vehicle does come uh uh rolling into the end of it that the attenuation system basically um absorbs the collision uh, but somehow, uh, I guess, uh, or, or the speculation is some other car had a, had a collision there and, uh, the attenuation system, at least from images, uh, that exist from the day before, uh, that crash, uh, the attenuation system was, uh, was not in place there. So it was the bare, um, uh, concrete stub end. Uh, that this vehicle uh, basically uh, uh, crashed directly in the center of, and uh, at whatever speed that vehicle was traveling, let's say, uh, I don't know, uh, 60 miles an hour or something like that, hitting uh, what is essentially a, a concrete uh, wall that is not going to move uh, leads to a very not pretty, very, very bad collision. And crash, and so most unfortunately, um, uh, that's what happened. Tesla has uh, put out a, a message saying that the that the vehicle was under autopilot uh, at least um, uh, at some time before that crash, 
but um, they've also indicated that uh, the severity of the crash has made it uh, difficult for them to date uh, to be able to um, to recover uh, any data that was being um, uh, captured by the vehicle um, as uh, in the seconds before uh, the, the crash and whether or not it transmitted anything back to uh, to Tesla and so on is, is currently unknown, but at least Tesla is saying uh, that they are uh, cooperating with everyone. And uh, in, in my same call as I made with respect to the the Uber crash in Tempe, uh, Arizona, it is imperative on on Tesla uh, to release to everyone uh, any data that they have as to uh, what the circumstances were um, uh, or data that would define the circumstances uh, that existed in the, in the several seconds before that crash. Um, Tesla has put out reports saying that uh, um, thousands of, uh, of vehicles um, have uh, traversed that same stretch of roadway uh, with autopilot on uh, without um, any um, uh, incidents. Uh, and so um, uh, whatever uh, occurred in this one, uh, must be a very um, uh, rare combination of, of uh, factors uh, that, that basically came together into this tragic uh, crash. And it's very important that uh, everyone understand what that combination of, of rare uh, factors uh, that came together in this situation are, are spelled out uh, so that... Uh, uh, everyone can design their system so this doesn't happen again. And of course, uh, this compounds uh, other issues that, that Tesla has been facing. And we should also point out that the Elon Musk, from what I've read, is still making sure that uh, the, the public is aware of the overall safety of, uh, of self-driving vehicles. Well, that's true. And, and certainly what was put out by Tesla is, again, just hard facts about uh, uh, what the uh, the crash rate is of Teslas uh, as compared to the crash rate of uh, of other vehicles and um, the the number is uh, relatively impressive that in fact uh, you know on on a gross uh, sense uh, the the uh, Teslas, uh, are at least from the data that have been released, uh, are crashing uh, less frequently than uh, than other vehicles, and so uh, uh, that is a, an optimistic element. But um, and, and, and one shouldn't expect these uh, to never crash. So we're going to have crashes. The important thing that I continue to say about all this is that we must make sure that with each crash, all the information and data associated with that crash is made public uh, so that um, so that uh, we can learn from these things and uh, and reduce the, the, the chances uh, that uh, such a, uh, such a crash or a similar crash would occur again. And this is how we'll continually improve the safety of these products. And um, and gain the benefit of these products uh, in terms of overall safety enhancement of the uh, 
of the whole driving experience. And this has certainly given uh, those who are skeptical about the future of Tesla even more ammunition, I suppose. Well, I think it has given some folks. Uh, certainly Tesla is uh, the, the financial situation of Tesla isn't pretty. Uh, but um, as we know, with, with every, uh, well, I don't know every, but with most uh, innovations, uh, financially, um, they don't look so good in the beginning. Uh, Facebook didn't look so good financially in the beginning and is doing quite well right now, although they have their own problems about other things. Um, Amazon at one point was about to run out of money, I think in about, you know, 2001 or 2002, and one wondered whether or not they would survive. Um, and, um, and we can go on and on and on. So, um, uh, it wasn't that long ago when, when Apple had to get some help from Microsoft to stay afloat. Well, yeah, Microsoft bailed them out <laughs> in some sense. You know, they're lucky in some sense. If it wasn't for Microsoft uh, bailing them out, uh, maybe Apple wouldn't have made it. So, you know, these, these are, these are part and parcel of the, uh, of the innovation cycle, you know, and if you don't, uh, if you don't have the heart to, uh, uh, to be able to survive um, all the uh, twists and turns, uh, you probably shouldn't be in it. But uh, uh, and if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. So um, <laughs> it's all part of the business, I guess. Right. Well, switching topics a, a little bit here. The there's a battle once again over what's called congestion pricing in New York City. Uh, give us a little explanation of what this is all about. Well, uh, congestion pricing is uh, something that uh, basically says uh, if we have congestion, uh, what we should do is uh, increase the cost. Therefore, some people really don't want to uh, to be uh, uh, involved uh, could maybe uh, take a bus and uh, leave capacity in the roadways for the rest of us so that we can drive. And, you know, that's kind of the economic theory um, of that. And uh, in, in the simplest of terms, in a number of, of, um, of uh, places, uh, London for one, um, uh, have instituted uh, congestion pricing so that if you bring your car into London at certain times of the day uh, within a certain area, then... Uh, you have to pay um, a, a fee um, for bringing your car in there and using the streets. Uh, and so uh, that's an attempt to uh, try to really uh, distribute uh, the capacity to those who really think that they need to, uh, to have it the, uh, the most. In some sense, it's very regressive in, 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 a, in a pricing form in that you know, it benefits the rich and um, and displaces the poor. And so it's it's not really uh, thought of very heavily in sort of in, in public policy circles. And so the thought that has been for some time under Mayor Bloomberg, uh, there was a proposal to do congestion pricing uh, for any vehicle that was brought in to the city south of 96th Street. Um, and, um, and then that failed, um, you know, 10 years ago or whenever that was. Uh, why? Because, um, in some sense, uh, there's been a fundamental philosophy that New York is, is really consists of five boroughs and there should be, uh, 
fluidity of mobility between each of the boroughs, and it's unfair to have uh, car drivers from Brooklyn have to pay to drive their cars uh, into Manhattan and those kinds of arguments. Um, but uh, because of the limited space and the limited capacity for vehicles in Manhattan, uh, one thought that uh, under Mayor de Blasio, that in fact this time it was going to be successful, that in fact there would be a, a fee charge for vehicles entering uh, Manhattan uh, below 96th Street. Uh, but in um, recent um, uh, budget that, that's, co that's coming out of uh, Albany, it seems as if um, the thought of having congestion pricing in New York has, has gone by the um, by the boards and uh, will not be instituted in this go around. What has been proposed is, is a fee on uh, on uh, for higher uh, mobility, whether it's um, it's uh, taxis, uh, which is I think two dollars and fifty cents on a ride, or ride hailing, which is um, Uber uh, Lyft type of uh, systems at two dollars and seventy five cents a ride. Why it's more for Uber, Lyft than the taxis? Well, um, you know, I guess that's politics. Uh, but um, uh, that that's sort of the imposition for trips that are below 96th Street. And uh, that is an area in which there is very good mass transportation. And so if you want to be ferried uh, and, and be chauffeured uh, below 96th Street, I guess you should pay an extra fee. And I sort of agree with that policy. What they've also proposed is a 75 cent uh, fee, uh, uh, per ride fee on car sharing systems uh, or car sharing, ride sharing systems, excuse me, ride sharing on carpooling systems. And that to me seems a, a little bit unfair because ride sharing should be encouraged instead of having, you know, single occupant vehicles uh, that I or driven from Brooklyn or from New Jersey, uh, or single occupant, uh, single rider systems from taxi cabs, uh, those having two or three or more riders, uh, uh, that should be encouraged. Uh, those systems are actually probably um, uh, as efficient or maybe even more efficient than the bus system. Uh, so instead of um, even a small charge of 75 cents a ride, the ride-sharing systems, I think, should be uh, should be basically uh, free. What is nice about what's been done is there's no talk about imposing any of these fees above 96th Street or in the other boroughs. And uh, to me, that's where the the Uber Lyft uh, systems are really providing a very good mobility, where the New York City transit system really isn't very good. And um, and, um, uh, and and for many of the trips that take place there, so um, uh, the fact that uh, that these fees, uh, these congestion fees, are being placed only in trips below 96, where the subway system is actually superb, the bus system isn't bad, and really uh, the people that the, many of the people that travel below 96th Street. Uh, also are um, financially um, uh, uh, stable so that they can afford it. So um, uh, basically, um, uh, I think that the, 
system that they're proposing isn't all that bad. Yeah, well, it would be good if some of this money, I guess, could could help the, the mass transit systems. Well, yeah, I, that's the proposal is that this money help the mass transit system. But if you actually look at the, the ride sharing systems, uh, the Uber pools and the, and, and the Lyft line, as Lyft calls it, and Via and those systems, uh, those systems are really public transit, mass transit systems. When you look at it, they, they are all about ride sharing and they are, uh, there. And so maybe some of this, uh, uh, some of this money should go to help uh, um, maybe even subsidize some of those rides or certainly uh, uh, encourage more to be out there to provide those rides. Uh, th- those those are trips that are being made uh, for good reason uh, by New Yorkers. And, uh, and if the bus system was really good or if the subways really took them from where they are to where they were going, they would... They would be using that, but but uh, because the trip the uh, demand is so diffuse, um, the the fixed rail and the fixed uh, route systems uh, only serve a limited number of those, and there are so many other trips that are just very poorly served, and um, and that causes New Yorkers to have to go out and buy cars to do them, and then ride in them all by themselves. It's much better if they were out there uh, sharing a ride in Via or or Lyft Line or or Uber Pool. So um, those uh, I see as part of the mass transit system. And maybe the New York City transit system should uh, look seriously at, at embracing those systems as opposed to necessarily um, 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 assuming that they're uh, I don't know uh, something that is. Uh, that is uh, competing with them as opposed to cooperating with them. Great, great thought. Well, that's going to be it for this edition of the Smart Driving Cars podcast. Don't forget, it's only a little more than a month away to get info on the Smart Driving Cars Summit coming up at Princeton University. That's on May 16th and 17th. You can find details at summit.smartdrivingcar.com. I guess it's going to be pretty exciting, right, Al? Yep, we have a great lineup of folks and speakers and attendees already, and it should be a very, very good session where uh, we have instead of, uh, you know, just one-way information, there will be a lot of interchange with uh, with the audience uh, and the participants, and the objective is to um, have discussion and uh, to move the whole process forward. Once again, the website for that is Summit dot smartdrivingcar.com you can find us at smartdrivingcars.com on itunes google play and more look for my tech reports at textination.com i'm fred fishkin along with alan kornhauser thank you for listening and now an ad from dad <clears throat> all right save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with progressive can i take these off all right what is this this looks good wow Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.